I believe that simple solutions start with the right foundation of knowledge. What is going to make you pick up the phone today? You know, it might be time to tackle an everyday project in a different way. That perception of creating group clients. You educate yourself and actually helps you. Thank you for joining us for Accelerate and Entertain Real Estate. Every second Tuesday, our Accelerate Speaker Series takes place here at Remax Excellence, and this week Greg Steele presented on the comparative market analysis and business planning. The link to the business plan we reviewed can be found in the podcast description. In this episode, we discuss Greg's approach to methodically planning each aspect of his business, including prospecting, budgeting, creating action plans, and measuring results. Greg shares his insights on effective marketing and determining how to allocate your marketing dollars and other resources. And we review everything you need to know about closing a client and selling that home with a thorough comparative market analysis. In this section, we talk about the conditions affecting the saleability of a home, how to present your CMA to a client, and we review the statistics you should actually use when considering the market and therefore the price of a home in Edmonton. Greg Steele began his real estate career in 1988 and in the course of over 30 years in this industry, has obtained his broker designation and won multiple EREB, provincial, and national awards in residential sales. Greg's knowledge stems not only from his hands-on approach to every aspect of his business, but also his experience with the Realtors Association of Edmonton. Greg was elected president in 2014 and has subsequently held the positions as vice president, past president, as well as chair and co-chair positions on the Arbitration and Professional Standards Committee Commercial Committee, Marketing Committee, and the Realtors Community Foundation Board of Governors. He has served multiple years on the REMAX General Advertising Committee. Greg's belief in integrity, honesty, and determination have led him down a very enriching and gratifying career. He is a passionate, innovative marketer and is a recognized name in Edmonton real estate. Thank you for joining me here today, Greg. Can you start out by telling me a little bit more about yourself? Uh, what are some of the principles you stand by, uh, some of your values? Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Um, I have been a licensed real estate agent for more than three decades. Um, got my agent's license, my broker's license, commercial designation. Um, I'm now at the point of my life where I have continually given back throughout my career, but I'm now focusing a little more on instead of um, earning uh, money left, right, and center, it's more like giving back to people in the industry, especially in our brokerage and our office. Perfect. And uh, can you tell me a little bit more about the business plan that we reviewed at the office here and uh, that we're uh, taking a look at today? Sure. The business plan that, that I've got there that you have in front of you is a, a little bit of a summation of my career over the last three decades. Um, I've taken almost every single real estate training program you can that has been laid on my lap over the last number of years and I've taken little pieces of each one of them and there's certain things that will work for me at one time and then they just don't work at another time and I kind of got the feeling that uh, everybody else is very similar that certain things will work for you from time to time so I've taken the best of some and submitted it into this business plan. So this business plan that we're looking at today is really customizable and um, you know the purpose is for an individual agent to make it their own um, to fill in their own vision their own goals why is that so important? Well, because everybody's different. Uh, that's a great question. Um, a lot of uh, uh, trainers uh, specifically try to um, 
insist that their plans are best for everybody. And and like everybody, we have different um, different facets of our life uh, are more important. Certain things in our life are more important at different times of our life. Uh, if you're young and are just starting out in your career, um, you're more adapt to learn new things. Uh, you're in the business building portion of your career. Uh, once you become successful, then you're in the business maintenance portion of your career. And then as you've got an established career for a few decades or a decade or two, then you are looking more towards your exit strategy. So depending where you are in your business cycle, um, you'll pick up different pieces to this business plan and adapt it to your business. So let's dive right in and take a look at the template you've provided here. Uh, we start with your vision statements, both personal and professional, um, and then we state five key areas to master, master being capitalized and bolded uh, for this year under each of those professional and personal. Uh, our transaction results page then, uh, the second page, we review all of our prospecting sources and this allows us to set realistic transaction goals based on last year's results for each source. From these numbers, we can then do the math and determine the income goal for each year, all that's set out in the business plan um, that you can fill in. We then have a few pages dedicated to outlining daily tasks, systems for growth, and progress charting. And then we dive into the business expenses. Uh, what are some of the most critical components here that you'd like to comment on? Okay, one of the key components of the business plan is um, uh, dissecting your your plan. Uh, there's there's certain things that uh, that are a constant. Uh, expenses are a constant in this business. Uh, for instance, you have dues, business entertainment, um, business and entertainment, coaching, communication, education, equipment and supplies, uh, accounting. Um, all of those things, including your taxes, those those are musts. So they they're going to happen every single year. So that's, that's part of the, your business plan. And then once you get um, uh, the business basics there, then you have to promote yourself. And then it's, we go into marketing. And marketing has 20 different, 30 different uh, aspects of that from print advertising, online advertising, your website, direct mail, signs, flyers, brochures, promotional, um, if you want to take people out uh, for dinner, gifts, uh, concert tickets, hockey tickets, football tickets, that type of thing, marketing, consulting. Um, there's just so much that, that encompasses a business person in real estate and you have to track all of it and you should plan uh, a certain portion of your gross income every every year, um, one percent for this, two percent for this, five percent for this. Um, schedule in your fun times. Number one, schedule in your personal and family stuff. Schedule in your business stuff. Schedule in your education. Schedule in all of the things into your calendar. Compare them from year to year, month to month, and uh, make sure you're going through the plan properly. So obviously, the goal of the business plan is to ultimately generate more business recovering lead sources, prospecting opportunities, and measuring the results of these. Um, so in your experience, how has the business plan helped you to identify the success in different areas? And what have you found to be the most successful prospect? Um, the most profitable 
for me right now is is my sphere of influence. Uh, most of my leads and most of my referrals come from my past clients and my sphere. Um, that's going to be a little bit different for a new agent because they don't have a track record. They, they're just starting out in their career, so they're going to have to do things um, systematically and they should be consistent in their, in their systems as well uh, to, to create leads generation. Um, a, a new agent, nobody knows who they are, so they're going to have to do different things like I did 25, 30 years ago where you're, um, you're knocking on doors, you're doing door hangers, you're doing brochuring. Uh, internet marketing right now is huge, so if they can get uh, top of mind awareness and get in front of as many eyeballs and as many uh, impressions uh, for people that are thinking of buying and selling, um, that's the best um, thing they can do. So they've got to set a plan and get the systems in place where they can be top of mind when people are buying or thinking about buying and selling real estate. And not everybody is, and that's that's cyclical as well. So there's certain people that you know they um, they've got a job promotion, or they've got laid off, or they, you know you go from uh, just out of university, you get your first job, you're starting to make some money, so you buy a condominium or you get into the market, and a couple of years in, you're doing really well, you're building some equity, you meet somebody, you fall in love. Uh, they may have two condominiums or two starter homes, and then they're going to sell those and and get married and and look for their first starter home. So it depends on what's happening in someone's individual life that will determine uh, when that reticular activator in their brain is turned on that says, hey, we've got to think about buying or selling real estate. And when that happens, um, if you happen to be the real estate agent that's prevalent or right in front of them, you will get the opportunity to present your services to them. You know, one of the questions that we had in this presentation then was, you know, what have you found to be successful in, in your marketing and your advertising, Greg? Uh, one of the biggest things that uh, that I got in early on was brand marketing. Um, you, um, it's, it, Remax has, spends almost a billion dollars annually a year worldwide marketing and advertising, and uh, Remax does 42% of the market share in our local area. And uh, most of all of my branding has the uh, copyrighted and trademarked colors, the red, white, and blue of Remax. Um, and and I, I think if you can piggyback on something that's a billion dollar industry, uh, you're a little bit ahead of the game to begin with. Now, um, you have to be consistent. Um, I've, I've read books on psychology, colorization, personality profiling, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but when people are reading advertising, you need to have usually seven impressions before it registers who or what you're, who you're trying to get across. So I, I went down to, um, in my brand marketing for my, my Pattison, um, I use Pattison Group, uh, uh, Pattison Outdoor for my bus benches. I've, do, I've done digital billboards, bus tails, uh, all kinds of generic branding. And when people are driving to or from work, to or from their family, soccer, uh, dance recitals, things like that, uh, they, they drive by Greg Steele, Greg Steele, Greg Steele consistently. And it's, it's been that way for, for 30 years. And uh, when you're coming up in a conversation, uh, I'll be at a restaurant or I'll be at a sporting event and somebody will be talking uh, about real estate and they'll ask me my opinion and, and some of the fear or sphere around us. 
is uh, is getting in on the conversation. And then when I present a business card, they went, "Oh, you're that guy." And it's like, "Yeah, I know who you are." And and it's it's immediate. Um, uh, I, I, I guess it's it's a little gratifying to me that, to know that that the branding is working, but um, it's it's top of mind when when people are thinking, like I said, in that cycle of their life, whether it's three to five year cycles where they're thinking of buying or selling real estate. If my name is one of the three or four or five realtors that they think of, this is part of the business plan for my marketing and advertising. This is how it all ties together. I think that the um, business expenses aspect of planning, you know, putting together your budget for the year is arguably one of the most difficult things to do uh, when you're starting a business or even when you're, you know, repositioning your business. Um, so how do you go about doing that? Is that, you know, based on your uh, income from the previous year? Are you breaking it down percentages? Um, is it based on what's been successful? Great question. Uh, yes, it's, um, I, I base mine on my previous year's gross. So I've, um, I know based on my business plan, how many transactions I will do in the calendar year uh, within a probably a three to 5% variable. And uh, the only way I can do more or do less is to cut branding, marketing, advertising out of it. So basically I figure out what my gross was and then percentage wise it, it stays equal almost every year. I have 2% for a certain line item. I have 3%, 4% for another line item. And I can track going back 10, 20 years of what percentage of my gross income, what costs were and then what I budgeted for. And certain things work in certain years and other things don't work in, in other years. So that's how you have to be a little bit nimble and adaptable. Marketing is obviously, you know, something that you've invested in um, mm -hmm. greatly over the years. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, there's a couple of other line items here outside of marketing, dues, business entertainment, coaching, communication, education, uh, equipment and supplies and accounting. Um, and all of those kind of fall under business operations. Correct. We hear the term tossed around, invest in yourself mm -hmm. constantly. Um, how, do you, uh, how do you think that we should be making sure that we're not overspending on the coaching side of things um, in other areas? Uh, take it slowly. Uh, that, that's the first thing. Uh, try and add one piece to your business plan every year. Uh, go to one event that you never uh, have been to before. Uh, try one different thing every year. And when you go to one event uh, and, you, and you sit down, and, and when I say go to the event, I don't mean just sign up for an online course. I mean physically go to the event. Book your hotel room, book a flight, go sit down in the classroom environment, sit down, interact with your colleagues from all over the country, your region, whatever, and it'll only cost you $80 or $100 to attend the event. Attend the event. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing how much you will learn in person and the energy that you'll pick up from the room and the people in there. And I, I've, I've found out that when you're taking online courses, you're sitting there by yourself and and you have a perception of what this means to you but when you're in a classroom setting or in a larger setting and you're learning the same information and you hear different points of different points of opinion and different points of view from different people it'll change your thought process and you'll learn at a more rapid level and it'll open your mind to more um, more avenues that are laid in front of you
Excellent. Thanks, Greg. So I'm going to uh, kind of turn over the conversation now to the second topic that we were discussing, which is the uh, CMAs, the comparative market analysis, um, and how you go about uh, structuring that when you uh, sit down with a client. Oh, that's, that's an integral part of being a, a residential real estate agent, and I guess a commercial real estate agent as well. Um, I found the in our current economic climate and our, our current inventory, um, right now we're selling 7.2% of our inventory, um, and we would probably be selling a lot more if a lot of the inventory was priced correctly or priced properly based on the economic conditions that we're at. Uh, and it's key. Um, we have, uh, I guess for doing a market analysis, a comparative market analysis, there should be about three or four facets to it. Number one, um, when you're sitting down with a client, um, you're usually applying for the job. Uh, there's two or three competitors that you're going up against. So you want to have uh, the first portion of your CMA should be uh, who you are, what you do, how you're going to promote, what, what you're going to do to get their property sold, then the details of the property. Um, it's, it's key to look at the at, at, at the property because each property is incredibly unique. The buyer bought it uh, for a certain reason. The seller is living there for a certain reason. Uh, there's usually four facets that control the sale of real estate. The first one is location. Everybody always wants to buy uh, close to family, close to friends, close to uh, their job, uh, parks, walkways, whatever's important to their life. So location's number one, condition is number two. Um, depending on your budgetary restraints, people will have either extra money to fix things up uh, on a property that has the great location or they don't have money to fix things up. So they're looking economically to buy something that's completely turnkey and they can move in. So location number one, condition number two. The third thing is price. Everybody should be um, pre-approved for when they're getting into the market and uh, prices is, is number one and it's paramount for buyers and sellers. Sellers um, are at the mercy of the current market and the buyers basically control the market. The buyers have the money that they've been approved to buy or to, or to borrow to buy. So they have a, a certain budget and every seller wants that bag of money transferred to them. So if their property is priced correctly in the market, they'll get lots of activity and that buyer will transfer those funds. And that's basically how it works. So you've got location, condition, price, and the fourth factor usually is the real estate agent you choose. But there's still factors that are outside of our control, such as the um, buyer's motivation and um, you know potential things that are happening in their personal lives in the market. I think the the example that you gave is, you know, um, a family absolutely loves a home, but they hate the countertops, and they just can't get over the countertops. And that is one of the things that is maybe the tipping point. And so there's only so much that you can do in order to make it a perfect home for somebody. Um, but there is things that you can do to make it a more saleable property. Absolutely. If, if it comes down to the physical structure itself, anything uh, can be adjusted. Uh, the price can be adjusted. Um, I, I guess one of the old adages that I, that I heard 30 years ago that shocked me is one of the trainers said in front of 800 people, he looked out at everybody and he said, listen, price fixes ugly. Price fixes everything. 
and he says, let me, let me restate that. And, and, and so what he meant was no matter what objections anybody has with price, it, that's an easy thing to fix. So if a seller has their home priced at a certain level and the buyer comes in and says, based on the last seven or eight or 10 houses that we've just looked at, we'd like your, your floor plan, we like your flow, we like your location, we like everything about it, but compared to these 10 houses, uh, we feel your price is high because of this, this, and this. Well, the vendor has the opportunity to correct that by saying, okay, well, if it costs $2,000 for the countertops, we can reduce that or adjust it in our price. Uh, well, we don't have the money to, f to fix that. Oh, would you like us to do that? So there, there's many different ways to negotiate the successful end of a transaction. Um, and, and price usually is the number one consideration. Um, but keep in mind too that, that not all transactions are predicated on price. Um, I've had uh, a number of transactions fall through when the price was absolutely perfect. The money was there, but the terms weren't there. Uh, we had, um, I'll give you for instance, uh, a young couple was um, uh, moving on a job transfer. Um, so they, they came into Edmonton, they looked at some properties, um, they were coming in from, from Ontario, so the price point was a lot higher. And when they looked at Edmonton as, as opposed to Ontario, um, the same price had about a $350,000 difference. So for them, this was a bargain and a half. And uh, they came in, we had it listed, um, the vendors had children in school. These people that were buying were coming in, didn't have children, so they wanted to buy the property. They were willing to pay over market value for this house because it was absolutely everything they wanted, but the vendor could not or did not want to move because their kids were in school, it was exam time, and it was too much pressure on the kids. And it was very frustrating because all the money was there, even more money than, than the market would, would bear, but the deal never came together. So buyers were frustrated, sellers were frustrated, and we ended up selling the house eventually another 30, 45 days when, and the terms were correct at the right time. So um, there's many factors that affect the sale of real estate. Yeah, that's another factor, I guess, is the, is the timing and um, uh, you know the, the season, what's going on in a person's life. That comes down to that buyer motivation. Um, but I think that we touched on something there, and I'd like to um, ask a question, which I know you are passionate about, which is the days on market hmm. um, and what that stat really means. Yeah, great. <laughs> great point. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a pet peeve for me uh, when we have the, the association putting out the average days on market. It's one of the most leading stats that we have. Uh, we should be um, putting out accumulated days on market because, and here's why. Uh, I'll give you for instance, we, we have, last year we have over 6,000 properties that were on the MLS that expired. Okay, what that means is they were on their on the market for their negotiated uh, time frame of 60, 90, 120 days or more, and they didn't sell for whatever reason, and they expired. So then they were relisted at another time, and maybe they adjusted the price, maybe the vendors fixed it up, maybe they changed something, it didn't sell again, comes off the market. So two, three times a property can be on the market and testing the market. And then finally, when it comes on and the the timing's right, the terms are right, the price is right, a buyer buys it and it sells in 25 days. 
Well, that 25-day average goes into what the Realtors Association and most Realtors say, hey, that one just sold in 25 days. No, it was actually on the market for 432 days over the last 18 months. But so when you're looking at, at, at market trends, you have to really peel back the layers of that onion because the, the residential real estate market and the commercial real estate market is not that much different. Um, supply and demand ratios come into effect uh, in, a, in a big way, but also inventory levels go up and down. And when the real estate board is putting out their statistical information at the end of every uh, month, um, there's certain sales that lag into the new month, which are calculated a couple of days later. The expirations of all contracts usually happen at 11.59 p.m. of the 30th or the 31st of every month. And those homes, those people still want to sell. So the real estate board takes the inventory at, the, at midnight or 12.01 a.m on the first of the month and calculates what the inventory is and puts out the, the, the number. And within a day or two, 24 to 48 hours, those three, four, 500 expired listings are back on the market again. But it's not reflected in the monthly stats. So real estate agents need to be prevalent of this. And it's uh, the access to this information is on our intranet. And every real estate agent has access to the exact same information. So people's um, opinions of what's going on in the market are the only thing that uh, will change um, with buyers and sellers is, is the person, the real estate agent that's giving you the information. We all have the exact same information, but it's, it's how it's um, put out to the market. Well, and that's one of the reasons why um, one of the most inaccurate um, means of doing a comparative market analysis is looking at the homes that are on the market today because those are the unsold homes. Those are the ones that have not yet uh, been sold at the price that they're valued at. Correct. That's great terminology. I use that in all of my evaluations. I don't go active listings. I go unsold listings. I state that to my clients and they look at me and they go, what do you mean by unsold properties? Well, these are properties that, that are on the real estate market that have not had an offer or have successfully sold. We have unsold properties, sold properties, and then expired, terminated, withdrawn. So there's many people are trying to achieve a certain financial level when they're selling and uh, the unsold properties tells a, a massive story uh, as well as the sold properties. The sold properties give us a high, a low, a median and, a, and an average and in today's economic climate when people are looking, when realtors are, are doing their market analysis, they should be showing the vendors of all the sales in um, a specific you know, three-month, six-month, nine-month, 12-month calendar um, to give a really good picture of what everything in their geographic area, their neighborhood has been selling for. And when you look at the, at the calculations of the four different categories, the average home right now in a depressed market is not the average from five years ago or 10 years ago. That average home right now is the exceptional home. That is the 7%. That is the one out of 10 that is selling. So 90% of the people are not successful, but 10% are. So when you're going to do a market evaluation and you look at the home, is it an average home? Does it have average flooring, average carpeting, average location, average everything? But when you're looking at the sales data and with all the averages, 
don't compare that average home with the average sale because they're two total different animals. The average sale right now is the exceptional home. So unless that home that you're evaluating is exceptional, you need to take adjustments to discount it. One other question that I have on this area is your actual engagement with um, your um, seller when you're sitting down with them giving that presentation. What does it look like when you're um, first presenting yourself? What are some of the questions and the dialogue that's taking place when you're having that meeting? Oh, that's a great point. I just had one last night. I uh, listed a, a little property in the North End. I uh, sat down with the gentleman, presented the market evaluation, and it was just silence. He looked at me and he said, you got to be kidding me. And I didn't know where he was going with this. And he just said, I can't believe all the information you just provided with me or, or to me. I just had three real estate agents in the last two weeks come in and basically they didn't show me a marketing plan. They didn't show me uh, any of the statistical information you're giving me. They showed me what's available in my neighborhood right now. Um, and, and there was a lot of properties in the neighborhood and they said, well, based on the 20 something houses that are for sale in the neighborhood, yours should be priced right here in amongst all the others. And he said, I am absolutely blown away by what you have just showed me because you just turned around and showed me everything that is sold, everything that was unsuccessful, that didn't sell, terminated. And basically the price point that they were suggesting was in amongst all the unsuccessful properties. And what you've just demonstrated to me is that I should be much lower than what they were suggesting. And I can't argue it, it's right in black and white. And I said, well, there you go. That's the difference between real estate agents. There's many different opinions of value and everybody has a different opinion of value and you can take uh, everybody's opinion with a grain of salt. But based on what I've presented to you, would you say that this is more accurate than the others? And he said, absolutely. This is 100% more accurate than the others. And we listed the house. So transparency, um, knowledge, making sure that you're familiar with the property itself, um, doing a property tour, having an understanding, you know, how old is the boiler, um, what uh, sort of attachment do we have to uh, the new flooring that was installed, all those kind of details um, help to factor into the relationship, not only that you have with the client, um, but also the saleability of the home. Absolutely. He was blown away when I, put, when I pulled out a checklist and I asked him if I could walk through the home and have a tour of the home. And he just said, why? And I said, well, your home is very unique. Every home is very unique. Um, it's a little bit different, whether it's in size, in location, in condition. So I walked through the home with him. We checked out the panel box. We made sure that it had a 100 amp service and he wanted to know why. Well, because lenders and insurance uh, companies want to have 100 amp service. How old is your furnace? How old is your hot water tank? Um, uh, what's your windows like? How old are your shingles? And he, he was curious as to why I'm asking all these questions and I said, well, based on my experience, 95% uh, of all real estate transactions are going to be subject to a building inspection. So when a building inspector, a licensed building inspector is going to inspect this property, they're going to spend three hours picking apart your home. And if, if we don't identify any of the deficiencies right now prior to putting it on the market and correct them, 
we are going to get uh, an amendment. Either the deal is going to fall through on, on inspection date, or we're going to get an amendment with once we have an agreed price on your property, the buyers are going to come back and say, hey, listen, we didn't know that the furnace is, is on its last legs. We didn't know that the shingles were curling. We didn't, they should have known it because the realtor should be pointing these out to them. But if I can identify all the deficiencies up front and that all factors in to properly pricing your home, um, I'm not doing my job. And he just, he couldn't believe it. He said the other three realtors didn't even want to have a look at his house. They just, you know, just had a quick walk through and said, nope, based on what I've seen, this is what it should be priced at. So there's a lot of detail that goes into pricing real estate properly. And um, he was really appreciative of what I did. Thank you, Greg. Um, I'm going to uh, wrap up our uh, podcast today first by thanking you for the exceptional presentation that you gave at our office this week. Um, and also, uh, you know, you've been obviously in the real estate industry for over 30 years, I want to say. Correct. <laughs> 1980, uh, was it 1987, I started taking my real estate courses and uh, I graduated in early 1988. Now, obviously, knowledge uh, is something that's extremely important to you. Thanks for sharing that with us today. Do you have any uh, final remarks, any um, comments that you'd like to share with anyone who's just getting into the real estate industry or in their first few years? Well, thanks, Dania. Uh, I guess the first thing I would tell people is get engaged in the industry. Um, uh, come into your office. Uh, speak to as many people as you can. Um, the, the more points of view you can absorb, the better off you will be in your career. Um, it's, it, it, it is a people business and there's tremendous um, opportunity for everybody in this business and predominantly for the most part, real estate agents are fantastic people. Everybody is in this business to help somebody else, including you as a new agent. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Accelerate in Edmonton Real Estate Podcast with Greg Steele. Remember the link for the business plan we reviewed today is in the podcast description. For more information on the Accelerate with Excellence training program or to join us for a live presentation session, call 780-481-2950.